This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Some provocative words of integration and guidance by Bill Bryson. Consider the fact that for 3.8 billion years, a period of time older than the Earth's mountains and rivers and oceans, every one of your forebears on both sides has been attractive enough to find a mate, healthy enough to reproduce, and sufficiently blessed by fate and circumstances to live long enough to do so. Not one of your pertinent ancestors was squashed, devoured, drowned, starved, stranded, struck fast, untimely wounded, or otherwise deflected from its life quest of delivering a tiny charge of genetic material to the right partner at the right moment in order to perpetuate the only possible sequence of hereditary combinations that could result, eventually astoundingly and all too briefly, in you. Our instinct may be to see the impossibility of tracking everything down as frustrating, dispiriting, perhaps even appalling, but it can just as well be viewed as almost unbearably exciting. We live on a planet that has a more or less infinite capacity to surprise. What reasoning person could possibly want it any other way? And then next, a reading from... Psalm 116, verses 1 through 6, from the message. I love God because he listened to me, listened as I begged for mercy. He listened so intently as I laid out my case before him. Death stared me in the face. Hell was hard on my heels. Up against it, I didn't know which way to turn. Then I called out to God for help. Please, God, I cried out, save my life. God is gracious. It is he who makes things right, our most compassionate God. God takes the side of the helpless. When I was at the end of my rope, he saved me. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Reading of scriptures uh, from Genesis 18, verses 1 to 15. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. 
And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh yes, you did laugh. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. So today we're going to talk a little bit about interruptions. Does anyone like interruptions? Often not, right? Often we don't like interruptions. The very definition of the word seems to be this thing that, you know, is a nuisance or bothers us. And when you work at home or have a home office, uh, sometimes you find interruptions happen, especially during the summertime when the kids are home from school. And so things are a little busier around the house, and so it's a little less quiet in my home office in the summertime because the house is fuller. But, you know, I make it work. Sometimes the kids will barge right in and say, hey, Dad, I need this or I need that or the other thing. And... Other times they'll knock first, and you know, and we make it work. Does anybody remember the uh, BBC episode recently where there was a dad who was at his home office, and he was doing an interview by Skype? Uh, I think he lived maybe in South Korea. Does anybody remember? I think he was in South Korea, right? So he's doing a Skype interview. It's easier for him to do that uh, from the office than to fly to England for an in-person interview. And so he's doing this interview on Skype. Anyone remember? Anyone not remember this? Anyone remember it? Everybody remembers it. If you don't, I'll give you the play-by-play. So this dad, he's being interviewed. I don't remember what about, maybe economic situations in East Asia. Well, the kids, he has two young kids and his wife are watching on TV in the other room. His dad is being interviewed and they're like, oh, there's my dad. And he's in his office. I know where that is. I'm going to go see dad. And so in this scene that you can't forget, this maybe three or four-year-old comes barging into the back of the office, arms just flailing, lifting up this happy kid, you know, barging right in while the dad is being interviewed on television. And then right after that... Little brother or sister, who's maybe one, comes in one of those round little walkers with wheels, right? Can't even walk yet, but a little baby comes right behind, right into the scene while he's being interviewed. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. And uh, I give that dad some credit uh, because he kept his cool and, you know, tried to keep going with it as, as best he could. And then, you know, he got through. He got through. So I also do video calls uh, for my work. uh, And so I can imagine the embarrassment. But of course, I'm not doing that on international television, right? It's just me and some people from my office, which I would be embarrassed enough if that happened. Uh, But this guy, international TV, interrupted. So interruptions happen, right? They happen just about every day. An appointment falls through, an unexpected guest arrives, the power goes off, as I hear happens, uh, a child needs our attention. 
A friend of mine from uh, the Shalem Institute notes that to interrupt is defined in the dictionary as to break in on. To break in on. She says, perhaps when an interruption happens, something is trying to break in on you. Something is trying to get your attention. Are you listening? Are you listening? A further definition of interruption is to break the uniformity or continuity of something. So perhaps you've gotten into a, a rut, certain way of doing things, kind of going along, going through the motions, and an inter- interruption might be the very thing, right? To snap you out of that rut. So sort of open your eyes and say, oh wow, life is happening right here. Am I aware of that? As a society, of course, we're pretty adept at planning, sometimes over-planning. We've got our calendars uh, and often our Google calendars that are reminding us of what's happening. And if you use Google Calendar like I do, like you get these interruptions on your phone that's reminding you that you have an appointment in a half an hour. Does anybody have it set that way? Right? Suddenly it's just like, looks like the same as my alarm goes off. And it's just flashing right there. And so we have all kinds of reminders of what's happening in our lives. And we know what's happening one day to the next, often one hour, even one minute to the next. And we don't welcome interruptions. Right? They get in the way of our agenda. But sometimes maybe there's another agenda at work. And maybe with some intentionality, some guidance, some mindfulness, we can begin to see these interruptions not as just a nuisance, but as something holy, something sacred. Well, our text today in Genesis features such an interruption. We read that Abraham was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Now, we've had some heat recently, so maybe we can sympathize a little bit. And if you don't have AC on, you know that there's been some nights where it's just hot. And there isn't always a breeze. And you're just laying there wondering, am I going to fall asleep first or melt first? Could, could go either way. But imagine now Abraham, right, in the ancient Near East. No AC, no electric fans, not even a nice cold beverage. So he's resting under the oaks of Mamre, taking advantage of some shade, staying cool. Probably has big plans for the day, such as not doing anything. Probably thinking, I'm just going to lay right here all day and nothing in heaven or on earth can move me. You've known that kind of a day. And of course, just as he thinks that, here shows up these three strangers, right? Of course. Of course. Right? Isn't that how it goes? You sit down to relax after a long day and the phone rings. Or one of your kids stops by. Or the neighbor pops in and needs a hand. Something. But it's even worse for Abraham because if we backed up to chapter 14, we would read this. Then Abraham took his son, actually chapter 17. Then Abraham took his son Ishmael and all the slaves born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the servants of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. 
This is literally the last verses before our chapter begins. Right? So not only is it hot, and he's recovering, you know, he's hot and he's just trying to stay cool, but he's recovering, right, from a medical procedure in a day and an age when medical procedures weren't always the most precise or the most sterile, and there weren't, you know, pain meds, all of that. He's in a spot where he probably doesn't want to be bothered. Yet listen to how Abraham responds to this interruption. He looked up, and he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them. Now imagine that, right? Now that we have more of the context, we've, we've just been told he's 99 years old, he's just had a procedure, it's hot, and he gets up and runs. He gets up and runs to meet them and says, If I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. We'll bring some water, we'll wash your feet, we'll set up some food. Please let us serve you in some way. An amazing response, given the context of the scene. And no doubt some of that uh, Middle Eastern, Near Eastern hospitality is a part of that response of Abraham. Remember, to interrupt is defined as to break in on. As my friend said, something may be trying to break in on you. Something may be trying to get your attention. Brother David Stendhal Rast says another name for God is surprise. Another name for God is surprise. In the book of Awakening, there's an entry entitled The Gift of Surprise. And it says, While rushing to complete your dearest plans that you tell no one, you can bump into another and groceries will fly, and while you're reaching down to pick up the ketchup, you might fall in love. <laughs> or in your second year of college, while studying what you want to be, you can accidentally open a book on Albert Schweitzer and discover that you feel compelled to go to Africa. Or in geometry class, you might decide you want to become a gardener, finding endless joy in creating landscapes. Or the death of your grandmother might open a side of you that is starving for history. It seems that any moment of interest or pain or adversity can surprise us into the larger totality of life, breaking our current limits and allowing us the chance to redefine ourselves. It says we can never be prepared for everything. Right? No one person can anticipate all of life. And we all know this. We've all lived enough life to know we can't anticipate what's coming next week, let alone tomorrow. It says, in fact, over-preparation is yet another way to wall ourselves in from life. Rather, we can only prepare for how we might respond to the next gift of surprise that often moves in on us faster than our reflexes allow us to respond. Life is surprising, thank God, and God lives in surprise. For God is seldom in our plans, but nearly always in the unexpected. So Abraham opens to the moment, receives the interruption, and in receiving the interruption, he discovers an encounter with the holy, with the sacred. Our text begins with the Hebrew word vaera, vaera, 
which means, and he appeared. And he appeared. So at this moment when he's just relaxing, a little bit recovering, not expecting anything to happen, the words that begin our chapter are, and he appeared. And then the four letters for the Hebrew name of God come after that. And so, by extension, and the Lord appeared. And the Lord appeared. Now the Hebrew Bible, or the Torah, is broken up into weekly reading portions, often four to five chapters at a time. And the title of this portion, which begins with our text, is Vayera, and he appeared. And so this whole next section of scripture is almost defined by this encounter, this sacred encounter, this holy interruption. The Hebrew scholar Richard Elliott Friedman says, Why does Abraham run to the three people and bow to them, but then speak to God? Is he meeting God? Is he meeting people? Is he meeting angels? And he notes the difficulty in sorting this out, that scholars and theologians have been wrestling with what exactly is happening in this story ever since it was written down. Right? Is this some incarnate presence of God? Are these angelic visitors? Is it a pre-incarnate Jesus? Is it just three travelers who are dusty and weary but happen to bear a message from God? Right, there's a lot of options, and I don't know the answer to that, but it's kind of interesting to read up on that and try to wrestle with it. But aside from all of that, I don't think we can deny that Abraham is having a sacred encounter. That God is getting his attention. And one of these travelers says, I will return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah will have a son. And of course, Sarah laughs at the absurdity of it all, right? They're both old, and her husband's literally just been circumcised. Like, sure this is going to happen? And yet this receptivity, right, to this unexpected interruption becomes an appointment with the divine and affects the course of their lives, right? This news affects the course of their lives, and not only their lives, but the entire people of Israel, because, of course, the son that is promised and will eventually be born is named Isaac. Which means he laughs, fittingly, and Isaac will become the father of Jacob. His name becomes Israel, the father of the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Sometime God, sometimes God arrives in the surprise. Sometimes God arrives in the pain. Are we open enough to receive that? Yet I'm not sure I would say that that's always the case or that every interruption could be holy because there are interruptions of other sorts. We might think of the tragic case of Philando Castile, an African-American man who was pulled over nearly a year ago in Minnesota because he had his taillight out. He was shot seven times. We might think of Sandra Bland or Tamir Rice or Eric Garner, and the list, of course, goes on of individuals, often African-Americans, whose lives were not only interrupted, but were ended 
so we want to acknowledge that. It's not always about finding the silver lining. Sometimes the pain is simply humanity in its bleakest, reacting to situations out of fear and causing pain where it's hard to find anything resembling the holy. And in those cases, we lament. And we might ask, God, where are you? And I can imagine God turning that question around to us. Where are you? So just that little bracket here as we're talking about interruptions and trying to frame them or see them in a way in which God comes near. And I think often that can be the case, but I don't want to paint a picture that uh, you understand. And so that said, sometimes, sometimes in the midst of an unwelcome interruption, even in the midst of pain, there is an invitation. There is an invitation. Mark Nepo says, Never was this more painfully true for me than during the aftermath of my first chemo treatment. He says, I was in a Holiday Inn at 5 in the morning after 24 hours of vomiting every 20 minutes. I was slumped on the floor, holding the space of a rib that had been removed three weeks earlier because of the cancer. So he's there slumped on the floor, sick and weak. And he says, my wife, in anger and panic, in desperation, called out, where is God? He says, from some unknown place in me, through my pale, slouched form, there lying on the floor, I uttered, here, right here. And he writes, the presence of God has never eliminated pain, only made it more bearable. Now, when things don't go the way I want, I try to kiss what waits beneath all I want. Now, when the car breaks down, though I may get angry, I try to hear the weeds in the ditch as they point me to the sky. Now, when the vase drops from my hand and shatters, though I might complain, I try to see beneath my reflection in the pool of flower water. Now, when I hurt, I try to feel my way through the tangle of my very normal reactions and the quiet underlying all existence. Time and again, we are asked to outlast what we want and what we hope for in order to see what's there. In order to see what's there. And almost every time, what's there is enough. Abraham, in his pain, opened to the moment, and God met him there. In another moment in history where the world was in deep pain, God arrived unexpectedly in our world in the person of Jesus who reminds us, God knows what you need even before you ask, even better than you do. Interruptions happen. Sometimes every day, something may be trying to break in on you. Are you listening? Amen and namaste.
you are invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org. Thank you.